Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based natural history and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 46, Moss Animals. In episode 43, we introduced the idea of modular animals that live in the marine environment, colonies of individual units called zoids that remain physically attached and share resources and metabolic responsibilities. Many different lineages of marine invertebrates grow as colonial animals. Many of the cnidarians, including corals and the hydroids I talked about in episode 44, as well as the group I want to look at today, bryozoans. Bryozoan literally means moss animal from the ancient Greek, bryo for moss and zo for animal or life. This tells you maybe all you need to know about what these animals look like. Low-growing, inconspicuous, some are fuzzy-looking, others grow as thin crusts. Most people don't know they're looking at an animal when they see one. If you've ever looked at a piece of kelp and noticed patches of lacy white crust growing on its surface, you've seen a bryozoan. If you look closely at a bryozoan, you'll see that it's made up of hundreds or thousands of individual units. Yes, bryozoans are yet another colonial animal you may find in the coastal ocean, as well as in deep ocean trenches. The units are called zoids, and in many cases the zoids are surrounded by a calcium carbonate and chitin exoskeleton. Some of the more easily seen bryozoans are the encrusting varieties, like what you might see growing on kelp, so we'll focus on those in our descriptions. But beware, there are upright growth forms as well. In the encrusting bryozoans, each individual zoid is housed in its own little exoskeleton box, surrounded by and connected to its clones in their own little exoskeleton boxes. The boxes are interconnected and look like bricks or plant cells. The colony spreads out in a single layer of zoids, attached to a firm substrate like a rock or a piece of kelp or other robust seaweed. Each individual zoid is connected to those around it through pores in the walls of its box. Body cavity fluid can pass between individual zoids through these pores, sending food or chemical messages throughout the colony. Just like some other colonial animals, bryozoans can have polymorphic zoids, meaning a variety of forms, that go along with specific jobs. By far the most common form is the autozoid, the feeding variety of bryozoan zoid. The key characteristic of the feeding zoids is the lophophore, which is described all over the internet as a crown of tentacles. It is tentacular, but it isn't a crown in the same way we think about it. For us, a crown goes on the top of our head. For bryozoans, this crown of tentacles goes around their mouth. So really, the lophophore is tentacle lips that can get retracted when something threatening comes around and averted again once the threat has passed and it's time to eat. And if you're a bryzoan, it's always time to eat, as long as there are no predators around. The lophophore is a feeding structure covered with hundreds of tiny cilia that generate water currents that draw water and food particles into the tentacles, where bits of food get stuck to mucus, which is also part of the lophophore, and transported down into the mouth. The individual tentacles can also flick food bits down into the mouth. They have a complete U-shaped gut, the course of which gives bryozoans their other name, the ectoprox. Ecto means outside, and proct means anus. So what this tells us is that the anus is located outside the lophophore. And thank goodness. And yes, by deduction, you've probably already guessed correctly that there is another group of animals, the entoprox, whose anus opens into the same place as their mouths. Some bryozoans do have other kinds of zoids, the most interesting of which are the defensive zoids. 
In these, the lophophores are replaced by a kind of snapping jaw-like structure called an avicularia that physically attacks invaders or predators. Colonial living confers many of the benefits of being an animal with complex tissues without the risk of having to support a large, complicated body. It allows an organism to adapt quickly to its environment and the available resources, growing large if things are good, or staying small if competition is fierce or resources low. Grow more defensive zoids if predators are around. Grow more reproductive ones if it's time to make gametes. It's just another way that evolution has enabled animals to adapt to a dynamic environment. And given the number of different animal lineages that have taken up colonial living, it is clearly a successful strategy. This has been episode 46 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The show is produced on Wabanaki land. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Sid Hartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening, and join us next week. Music